<laughs> pocket hoodie for ten dollars. It's almost the same as for your birthday. Cat pocket hoodie. I don't need anything birthday, for birthday. I don't need anything for any holiday now because I got this hoodie for ten dollars. Oh shoot, that's a shame. I was gonna get you money for your tattoo or I mean, I'll a nice take dinner. It. Or a VR headset. Or a yeah, VR. Yeah, no, I mean I'll definitely what I was thinking about. So yeah, no no no, actually a Hannah what? says she doesn't want that anymore. Oh wait, what? No, Hannah doesn't want she has the cat pocket hoodie. We don't need to go Listen, in on a VR headset I said for I didn't Hannah need anymore. Anything. No 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 no. <laughs> oh, that's what you were saying when you said yatched. Yeah, I, I was yeah. like, what the fuck are you I would talking about? Say no to a yacht, I, that sounds like so much upkeep. Yeah, yeah exactly. it seems like a headache. And also, I don't live anywhere near a place where you can yacht. Because I live in a landlocked <laughs> state, baby. You can yacht. You can yacht on our tiny, shitty Colorado lakes. But why would you? Like, if you're a rich person in Colorado, why would you own a boat? Every time I see somebody, like, own a boat in the city, like have a boat parked by their house in the city. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? You should be a rich person consultant. You should. <laughs> yeah, it's like you own a boat in what is, Denver, What does a rich person consultant do? <laughs> Just like talk to rich people and be like, hey, you that boat, paid, that's stupid. You get paid money. Yeah, you get paid like a you lot make of so money. much money uh-huh. to tell them how to spend their money. Yeah, which is give it to people who need it. Don't buy a fucking boat. It's essentially living in Denver and having a boat is essentially living on the top of a mountain and sinking in the middle of nowhere near, like as far from oceans as you can be on the top of a mountain and going, yeah, I think I'd like a boat. Maybe it's for the impending flood. Maybe they're planning ahead. Yeah, it's just like that meme, we should buy a boat. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah, from I, like I, a couple I, years ago. I did ago. it three times and now I'm done because I thought I had to do it a Sorry. third time for it to be a good well, bit. Well, two of them weren't on the podcast. <laughs> well, so now, now no. I guess you've just broken the law. <laughs> the role, yeah, the role of Kai today will be played by the internet, internet. forums. Uh, the <laughs> internet forums over there, uh, their name is Kai. My name is Kai. Their pronouns are they, them, theirs. Mm-hmm, because I am multiple internet forums, yeah. of course. Uh, Kai made a 4chan joke earlier. I didn't mean to. It so just they have, slipped out. They have broken the law. I, I, and will be taken that... to jail. They will not pass go. They will not collect $200. They will take it immediately to jail. The person who is shaming me right now is After named Hannah. Podcast. And she uses she, her, her pronouns. And I just want to say that I did... Um, our break dear listeners law. don't know. I did break the law. Um, I apologize to, to my family. I want to thank God. I want to thank. You um, want to apologize to God. And I want to apologize to God and Jesus. And Not I want to thank Christian, my no. family and apologize to my family and my cat. Um, You'll be taking I some was, time off to spend more time with your family. Uh, yeah, I'll be That's what they always say when celebrities go family. to rehab. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the other person, Shaman Kai, is Aaron. Our producer is pronouncer he, him, his. Yes. Um, um, I do yeah. just want to say. I, I did spend a lot of time uh, on 4chan when I was growing yeah. up, and it was um, not the most positive thing. You're that recovering. Ever bleh, bleh, bleh. You're a recovering 4chan user. I'm a recovering Tumblr user. Yeah, yeah, truly. Um, um, but here's but what I. But it was not okay. recent. No. And I stopped. I've learned a lot this year from from experiencing yeah. that sort of far right nonsense. Um, I would just like to say that I yeah. bought a cat pocket hoodie for ten dollars at the Buffalo Exchange. Is that why exchange? you were singing a song about cat pocket hoodies? Uh-huh. It wasn't just theoretical. Go Google cat pocket hoodie if you don't know what I'm talking about. They sell them online for like I think like fifty. Days. It's actually also surprisingly warm for like fifty dollars, and um, they're a hoodie, a very cozy hoodie. Uh, 
It's got all the things I like in a hoodie. It's got little thumb holes in the sleeves. It's got a very soft hood. It's got cat ears on it. But most importantly, it's got a big old pouch in the middle of the hoodie where Love you can that. place your cat. And then you can, and it's got little like pom poms on the strings. So your cat can play with the pom poms while they're sitting in your, po- your pouch. Um, and you put your cat in the very soft pouch, and ideally your cat just sits there and enjoys being all snuggly up to your bod. Um, so far today, since I brought it home about 10 minutes ago, I've put my cat in it twice. And she didn't completely hate it, uh, but she did exit it within one minute after me putting her in. So I think if I wash it and like leave it out for her to smell... And just kind of gradually keep putting her in it. I think if she gives it a chance, she'll really like it. Because it's going to be all too. warm because it's next to my body. And it's really, really soft. It's very soft. soft and it's very cuddly. And sometimes she likes to snuggle. The mm-hmm. thing that is my favorite thing about this cat pocket hoodie is the fact that it does look like a maternity sweater. Oh, yeah. Which I really appreciate because those things look comfortable as fuck. Mm-hmm. Have you so seen cozy. maternity? Also, I want to talk about the fact that um, it should not be called maternity um, clothes because people who aren't maternal people who are not mothers need to need to wear those too yes uh this one just has room for one baby and it's a cat yes um or two babies if it's a really small second cat if you you could put like several kittens yeah, yeah, in yeah. this that would be amazing that would be very amazing what if you just put like five kittens in this hoodie they would love that. They would love that so much. They'd be um, very wiggly, though, I fear. Yeah. No, it would be great. Um, wiggling is part of the experience That's of the cat pocket hoodie. That's hoodie. true. Oh, also, this podcast is called If It's Gay We yeah, Play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoops. <laughs> uh, it's a podcast about um, video games and, and gay stuff. I guess only cats now. And cats. I guess we're a cat-themed podcast. We're really stepping yeah. on Stephen yeah, this has been the per- Steve. This has been the percast. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so anyway, Tori is going to get... I'll keep you all updated on Tori's... <laughs> Tori, Tori's Tori. relationship to the cat pocket hoodie because I do think she's gonna like Watch it. 2K she just mm. has to give it a chance. I would love to be able to like put her in it and then walk outside and have her be mm. all safe. I am gonna get her a cat backpack. It's yeah, she too. deserves a cat backpack for sure. Mm-hmm. So she, can go she see loves the world. to see the outside world, but um, she's very scared of it. Mm-hmm. So then she could be safe inside the cat mm-hmm. backpack and then like a little cat cat astronaut. So Hannah, yes, Kai, what is the gayest thing that you? have done this week tbh it might be uh buy this hoodie <laughs> oh, that is might pretty gay how excited i am about this that is stupid specific, cat pocket yeah hoodie. that is gay culture i think that is um what what TYBH. Yeah, that's very that supportive, and I enjoy very it. Good. I like that very much. Um, oh, are those acid wash jeans? A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Aaron's a little bit wearing acid wash jeans. Yeah, Aaron's whole outfit does look like he could be in like the Breakfast Club. Like I know like that's what I was thinking. The late eighties, early nineties outfits. I good. love it very much, Aaron. And I look like I could be. Oh, you like it? Yeah, I do. No, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no the review is positive. I feel very positively about what you're wearing on got your body right now. Little kitty paws on my hoodie. 
and I it's look got, like... It's got, by the thumb holes, it's got little, like, toe beans on the hand It's part very cute. And little ears on the hood. Um, what kind of metal band does the sweatshirt make you look like I'm in? Wh- which you one? You look like, you either look like you're in, like, a like a modern, like, melodic, like, you look like you're in Deaf Heaven, mm-hmm. or you look like you're in, like, a post-hardcore band. Yeah, I think post-hardcore is probably, is probably what this, this is like what a, this feels a more black, like This is, like, a tight black sweatshirt with white strings, like, pullover sweatshirt with white strings. Yeah. Something that I've never realized was, um... Uh, a kind of specific niche thing that I do every day is I do wear a uh, studded leather belt mm-hmm. and I did not realize in, that the, that year was, in the year 2018 I did not realize that, that was something that most people no longer did um, how many studded leather belts do you see walking around in the world Kai probably about two yeah I was gonna say outside of the context of like the club yeah maybe one and it's me mm-hmm. is is the thing I'm just I'm very dedicated to... I'm not to, saying it's a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing either. I'm just very dedicated to, to this, this Your aesthetic. Your leather belt. To the, to the studded leather belt aesthetic. Um, and I base all of my outfits around the studded leather belt. I see. Yes. Um, the actual gayest thing I've done this week is... Oh, this well, I was completely ready for this to be the gayest thing you've done this week. I mean, it's up there. Um, the other actual gayest thing I've done this week is uh, we met with a... Um, Friend of ours, uh, who's a regular at my coffee shop, who's an educator, about uh, in a few weeks' time, we're going to be doing like a talk at. So he teaches at a middle. He's a gay man, and he teaches at a middle school where he sponsors a GSA, a gay mm-hmm. straight alliance. Which the notion of middle schools having GSAs mind is boggling. mind boggling to me as a person who I think there's maybe one out kid in my whole middle school, and it was me. It was always me at my middle school. Yep. Did you go forward in time? To, okay, um, great. And uh, now there's a bunch of people which my middle school who I'm sure are gay. The only ones that I like still know anything about are gay because I don't care about most people who aren't gay. Um, wow. And uh, I mean, like in an abstract sense, sure. Uh, but you know, I like wouldn't have any uh, reason to keep up with straights from my middle school. <laughs> like, there's people I'm uh. still friends with on Facebook from when I studied abroad only because I know they're gay. Um, and people who are actually anyway. Uh, so yeah so Kai and I are gonna go give a talk to he is a a gender a gender student we're not quite sure what the identity of this person is they're they're GNC Mm -hmm. and uh Gender non-conforming, not the truck brand or the vitamin <laughs> store. <laughs> they 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 take a lot of vitamins. What can I yeah. say? Uh, and they uh, yeah. So we're gonna go speak to the GSA and stuff, mm-hmm. and it's gonna be cool. Um, so having that meeting and seeing like his enthusiasm and how much he cares about these kids and how excited he is to have as us. a uh, older, not older gay man, but like as a middle-aged gay man who. The world was very different when he was growing up, and the oh, world yeah. was even very different when we were growing up. Yeah, I so, was thinking about that. Um, seeing, just talking to him and connecting with him, and I think it's going to be really cool to connect with these kids and like feels like bridging a couple generations of, mm-hmm. of queerness, um, which I think is really important. Work. I think it is really important work um, too. I yeah. just remember when I was those kids' age, I was still saying gay derogatorily. Yeah. Um, and I had like even even like the my relationship with queerness was not what it seems to be for kids that age nowadays Mm -hmm. you know it's just really cool to me that younger and younger kids are like coming out and being supported and Mm -hmm. you know being being seen and heard um totally and the work he yeah the work he does is so valuable and it was i zero percent wanted to have this meeting at the start of it because i had just worked two just bonkers busy days at work 
Um, and I was getting off, and we had the meeting after we got off. So I was like, oh, my God, I don't want to do this. I just want to go home and eat lasagna. I had made very good lasagna. Yeah. And, uh, and hate Mondays. And, um, <laughs> uh, but his, it. like, enthusiasm melted my uh, exhausted heart. Uh, yeah, it was a really neat meeting, and I'm really excited for this opportunity. So Me too. that's the actual gayest thing I've done this week. The gayest thing I did this week was see Cameron Esposito. Oh, uh, I forgot that was this fucking week. That's we why also I, did that. That's why I did that. That's why I wanted to bring that up. We saw Cameron Esposito do her uh, stand up at Denver. Um, at Denver. At fuck me in Denver. <laughs> uh, at comedy. At works. comedy works at Denver at the city of Denver. Um, and it was really really good. Something that Cameron Esposito does that I really appreciate is, um, at least to me from my perspective, as like a white, trans, queer, disabled person or whatever, is very uh, intersectional in the way that she does her comedy. And she brings a lot of, like, facets of her identity into her comedy. And she also brings social justice work into the work Mm -hmm. that she does, which I just so respect and appreciate and really look up to. Um, No, it's really cool. She started doing that more and more as time goes on. Yeah, and I think over the years, as she gets more experienced and, like, more invested in um, building change in the world, especially as she's meeting all of these people through doing query. It's just been really nice to see just kind of the changes in, in that um, persona because I feel like I've seen her develop from uh, like a, a white lesbian like stand-up comic into oh still a white lesbian stand-up comic, but like just so much more universal than that, mm-hmm, I guess. Totally. But I don't mean that white lesbian stand-up comics can't be universal. I just mean the way that she's using her reach, I guess, is just something that I really appreciate. And I feel like I've been able to, like, grow grow with her as stuff like that has changed. Um, so anyway, it was just really nice to be able to see her, her show. She had um, a couple of folks open for her who are, like, local Denver people, mm-hmm. which I really appreciated. Yeah. Um, and the MC was a woman of color, which I don't normally I love see at Comedy that. Works. No, you like, don't normally see that at Comedy Every Works Comedy Works show I've been to before, it's been like some... Some white dude that I don't care dude. about. Yeah. Um, and uh, even when I saw um, Cameron Esposito perform at the High Dive one time, mm-hmm. it was like still some white guy. And the white guy's usually funny, but uh, one of the openers was like some white guy. The other two openers were... Uh, the MC was a woman of color. Um, I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but um, and then Josh Blue, who's a local uh, disability activist and comic, um, who won last comic. He was like was the first winner of last comic standing. That's how most people know his name. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has cerebral palsy, I think. I don't know. Um, anyway, he's disabled and, and neurodivergent in some capacity, and he uh, does comedy about that, which is great. Um, yeah, he's really funny, but I just really appreciated. Um, after, after the show, uh, Cameron Esposito does still meet with her fans, which I really, mm-hmm. you know, respect. Um, so we stood in line, and I got to shake her hand and tell her that I really appreciated the work that she does on Query, which is her podcast uh, where she does these incredible one-on-one interviews with um, often, in fact, primarily there's only been one straight person, one straight cis person on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was in a recent episode where uh, she did a a whole episode dedicated to Yes on 3, which is, uh, I believe it's Proposition 3 or Amendment 3 in Massachusetts. I don't remember. Um, I think it's Proposition 3, uh, which allows trans people to have rights and protections in places that are not the home and work, because mm-hmm. currently trans people in Massachusetts are protected at work and at home. Mm-hmm. But, at school. And but at school, but nowhere yeah, in between. Yeah, not just like out and about in public. Yeah. Um, where... 
Whereas in Colorado, I do know that I have the right to use bathrooms everywhere. Well, legally, you have the right to use whatever but restroom I don't, you want. But, I, but I'm a lesbian, but I don't have uh, the the right to equal protections in housing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you get some and you lose some. But she did a really good episode about that, and I got to thank her for it. And that just... You know, any time a creator does something that I really respect and appreciate, be it a very close friend of mine, somebody in the community, or like a politician at the state level or local level, or somebody who is nationally and internationally recognized, being able to look them in the eye and shake their hand and say, thank you for the work that you do, I think is one of the best feelings in the world for both oh, totally, parties. yeah. It's really cool. Um, so that was really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that was really cool. Um, yeah, those are the gayest things we've done this week. Yeah, the pretty good. reference Kai and I were just making was to the time that uh, Kai and I were at a Evanescence concert. Yep, in the year two thousand seventeen, mm-hmm. and um, for Hannah's birthday, I bought for my the tickets. Birthday. And uh, we uh, were in line in the, for the restroom. Well, no, I wasn't. I was. You were standing. I was near standing me in solidarity near you in solidarity while I was in the very long women's restroom line. Yeah, and there was somebody uh, who was in a. Uh, feminine presenting person who was in the line for the men's bathroom who kept shouting. Oh, she wasn't in line, was she? She was I thought in line. she just went straight in. I, I think there was she was no in line. line. There All was right. enough time. There was a line because it was like right after the show. Mm. And there was enough time to like hear this exchange happen. She kept shouting, in the state, I'm in this bathroom. It's legally in the state of Colorado. I can use whatever restroom I want. And then as she was going to the bathroom, she went, I'm a lesbian, so it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Which was really inspirational. It was really beautiful. Um, and I have thought that every time I use whatever bathroom I want, I mm-hmm. think I'm a lesbian, so it's okay. Mm-hmm. Though I do primarily use the men's bathroom because I do not ever want to make women feel uncomfortable or unsafe. That's fair. Thank you. Um, hi, Tori. She's checking out Aaron's stuff. She's yeah. in his bag. Tori, do you want to get in my hoodie? Tori, I don't, get I don't know hoodie. if she does. Maybe she'll like um, sitting down. Uh, I can see my little kitty cat ears on my hood in my periphery. I bet you can. You'll get, you'll adjust. Uh, Hannah. Yes, Kai. What Ooh, hi. are you playing? Um, The only thing I've played in the past week is uh, Mass Effect 3. Well, tell <laughs> my, me about it. My very long drawn out over the course of like a many months uh, reap. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. The cat just did something amazing. <laughs> <laughs> she accidentally got a little bit of water on her nose and spooked herself yeah, and jumped. And it was very up, cute. Stood up and made this. Hey, I'm talking about you. She's looking at me all offended. She made this little face, like, like this face of disgust. It was very, very. Cute yeah, they funny. can't see the face that you're making to imitate the cat. Just for the record, yeah. um, it was like a grimace. Hi, baby. So, Get Hannah, in my what? <laughs> um. So yeah. So I've been replaying Mass Effect Three. It was part of my very long drawn out replay of the Mass Effect franchise mm-hmm. and uh i finished the leviathan dlc this week and i started the citadel dlc which is the best thing in the world and also really hard yeah it's super the citadel hard dlc is stupid hard because they do at the beginning of it they do this clever thing where they take away all your weapons and shit and then it and i mean you still have your like um you know skills your like psychic powers yeah Obviously, but they take away your weapons and shit. Your psychic powers. Well, your biotics? Yeah, they're psychic powers. All right, that's fair. Um, and I'm on uh, Hannah's side with this one. Thank you, Aaron. 
I appreciate it's that. just that's not what it's called. Whatever. I know it's called. Biotics, I know you know. Everybody knows it's called biotics. All right, I Hannah. All fucking talk about is Bioware on this okay, goddamn podcast. Okay, Hannah. You and, uh, Tori, tell here. me what come happened. Here. Tori, come here. Hold on. There's oh, a cat. Jesus Christ. Tori, get in my hoodie. So. Tori. Um. Anyway, so they take away <laughs> all your weapons and shit, and then it just becomes about like your skill playing the game. Like you have yeah. like, one gun with like limited ammo, and so it becomes about like how well you can make headshots, basically, mm-hmm. um, and like sneak, which isn't. It's a little frustrating because there isn't really a you stealth. You can't sneak. No, there's no sneak. stealth there mechanic in Mass Effect. So you 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 just you have to like rely on luck and luck coincidence. And, like, luck, coincidence, and like getting behind cover. And, yeah, and getting people with headshots. Like and like going up to the ceiling. Yeah, because they they give you a um, stealth mission in a game with absolutely no stealth capabilities or mechanics. Yeah, it's silly. Yeah, uh, so that's frustrating. <laughs> And so then in that part of it is really hard, but it is very funny and very rewarding. Are you laughing at the cat? He's laughing at the cat. Hey. She just likes to rub her face on the Tori, table. No, Tori is uh, winning the bad audio. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, did it. caller is going all up on the table and is uh-huh. reverberating straight up the mic stand. Great. Oh, God bless. Love it. So that strange sound was the cat. Um, if you hear cat a strange color. sound. Cat collar rubbing against the table. Yeah. Okay, bye. Um... I'm very distracted. Really? Are you? I didn't notice. Anyway, I'm playing the Citadel DLC. It's really hard. Yeah. Kai, what are you playing right now? Um, I have not played a video game in probably about three weeks mm-hmm. because I am so busy. And I've noticed sometimes that... Thank um, Thank you. Yes, that's a very kind accusation that you've just made. Mm-hmm. Uh, I noticed that sometimes I struggle with... Um, I mean, I struggle with this association as a result of PTSD and a myriad of other neurodivergences that I experience. Uh, And video games can sometimes exacerbate that. So I'm working on ways in my daily life to be less dissociated. So then when I dedicate time to playing a video game, I don't get that weird, fuzzy, foggy head feeling. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I spend a lot of my life playing video games, but I've also spent a lot of my life taking breaks from video games. And that's not super conducive to having a video game themed podcast. (laughs) Um, However, I'm still very passionate about the medium and want to try to dedicate more time to playing it. I've noticed it's easier for me if I play it in like, if I play them in small increments. Interesting. Like 30 minutes or something. Interesting. uh, And then like take a break and then go play them again. So I'll see what it's like. But I did watch... um, this is almost the same as the video game. I did watch Pink Flamingos by John Waters uh, recently, the uh, the famed queer filmmaker and film from the 1970s. Uh, and that was um, very engaging in a lot of ways. It made me think a lot. Um, so Pink Flamingos is just like basically John Waters' whole aesthetic in a lot of his films, especially his earlier films, is making things super fucked up and in your face fucked up, mm-hmm. like as fucked up as humanly possible. Um, there's there's definitely a lot of content that I would say would be triggering for a lot of people. So maybe don't watch it if you are sensitive to certain things that you can Google <laughs> that will be in the film. Um, however, uh, something that I was really struggling to realize at first and then felt like I came to by the end of the film is um, it reminds me so much of uh, Jean Genet's work, as in, like, a lot of his personal journals. Um, and I'm going to connect this to queer stuff very soon. Uh, Jean Genet believed that um, it was 
beneficial and important to embrace all of the things that are seen by society as evil or negative. Like, Jean Genet was a thief. He was um, a quote-unquote pervert. Like, and, I mean, I think he would embrace that title. So, like, he was a pervert. He yeah. was a homosexual. He was, like, disgusting. And he was uh, mean and gross and bad. And he loved all of those things um, because he followed the the path of the like of the of the negative of the traitor and he wrote a lot of stuff about that and that connects to um the death drive in queer theory which is this concept that we as queers uh need to embrace and like capture all of those negative like inherently negative societal qualities because society already sees us that way mm -hmm. um it was created by leo bersani and like I don't fucking know, 1999, 1990, um, and expanded upon by Lee Edelman, I believe, in 2003. Um, but it's just this this concept that, like, we embrace all that is negative. And that's really what John Waters' films seem like to me. Mm -hmm. Something important to mention when talking about the queer death drive and embracing all of those negative traits is that this is something that has primarily been written about and done by white queers. Mm-hmm because it's easier for us to do so because there are less consequences for us when we do mm -hmm. or different consequences for us when we do. Totally. Um, so it's definitely something that's been expanded upon and drawn upon by queer academics of color in different ways, like Queer Utopia, which we talk about a lot. Uh, Jose Esteban Munez does, does that work. Um, he is deceased now, but he did. Uh, so I don't know. I, I just really enjoyed experiencing John Waters' work in – Pink Flamingos for the first time, and I felt like it was really important from the perspective of understanding, like, an actual applied version of this queer theoretical concept, because you can think all the time to yourself, like, oh, yeah, embrace what society sees as negative, like, the queer art of failure, like, take that and run with it because everyone already sees you as shitty anyway but like when you actually have to be confronted with that like face to face and see something like um the main actor in the film divine eating actual dog shit like for real um is is, is a very different thing than just yeah. thinking about it so i just wanted to talk about that a little bit neat thanks i know that you're not a fan I'm not not a fan. I think John Waters is very important, and I'm like theoretically a fan of his work and the like theory of his work, uh, and the sort of aesthetic of his work from afar. I have no interest in watching any of his films. Fair. Uh, I just don't think I could handle it. Yeah, I um, totally respect that. There's just, there's violence in specific ways that I have no interest in in watching in that film. The, the chicken. Yep, that's yeah. what I was thinking I, of. I, yeah, I absolutely can't. That's why I've never watched a John Waters film is because I just don't. Yeah, I just can't. I don't even think that, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that as, like, art, even. I just think it's kind of fucked up. <laughs> That's fair. Something the that, chicken thing is just fucked up. Something, yeah, that I, John, something that John Waters said at the end, uh, like, when, when we were watching the film, um, he was talking about how uh, he said, he after, after the scene, he was like, I eat chicken, and I imagine a lot of you eat chicken, and I do not uh, pretend that it just magically appears on my plate. Right, but that chicken was I, fucked. No, it was, it, I'm not arguing in defense of this guy. I'm just saying, like, that was his argument. He said, I bought it from an industrial chicken farm, and I think we gave it a better death than it would have gotten there. I don't 
know about and that. And I don't know about that either. I think but it's I do think that equivalently pretty bad. I think I, I do agree that it's probably worse. equivalent. I don't know if it's worse because industrial farming death for chickens but is really fucked up. Right, but smash to death between two. Not bodies. great either. I'm that not defending that. I feel like uh, I feel like uh, the the head the neck snapping or the head cutting would be a much cleaner. I also think if you're gonna go queer death drive and you're gonna represent that in a film, I don't think there's you need some to kill stuff a that you gotta creature. embrace. Yeah. I, I I think that's fair. I, I mean, don't. I mean, they talk the about how like Jean Genet supports murder. Yeah, and I don't. That's one one place where I don't, and I certainly yeah. don't. I mean, here's the other thing: I don't eat chicken. Like, I don't no, believe I in the exploitation or death of animals for human means in any circumstance, except when it's like indigenous tribes and their hunting traditions and that kind of thing. Like, that is not my place to comment on. You know what I mean? Like white vegans who are like, oh, this and this and this. It's like, no, that's not your cultural business. I also um, think I, I don't. I don't think anyone is wrong for eating meat. Yeah, I don't know about that, but I don't think there's necessarily an unethical way to consume meat, um, personally. I disagree. Okay. Um, but but anyway, I'm just saying, like, it is it is interesting. Theoretically, I do not condone the killing of animals in that context or in the farming industrial complex or whatever. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think it's just a bunk argument to buy a chicken from a factory farm and then also torture it to death. It's like, well, it would have been tortured to death anyway. It's like, yeah, you could have not tortured the chicken to death and then it wouldn't have been tortured to death. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a fair argument. I think. No, I think that that's also a fair argument. It's just I also, I feel like I'm I'm holding both uh, a disagreement and condemnation with uh, his actions, but also uh, respect for his conviction to that belief system, if that makes sense. Like, I do not support a bunch of what Jean Genet wrote about and said and did. Like, I think that a lot of the actions that he committed were atrocious and inhumane, and, like, the things that he wrote about were not necessarily... were, were horrifying, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, and I think similarly about John Waters, but I also to an extent respect that conviction yeah i respect the convention i just i just think people will tell themselves anything to justify fucked up shit and oh I think sure people will tell themselves anything to just justify like bloodthirsty sadomasochistic tendencies that are they need help for and people will try to convince themselves that that's okay because of some view of the world aesthetic nonsense like there's serial killers who have done that same thing yeah i think it's a very it's a very fine line to to walk and I, I personally don't necessarily agree with the line. I think there's things about Jean Genet that I agree with and things about John Waters. And I do think John Waters' work is important. But again, uh, I don't, I think it is a fucked up justification for torturing an animal to death. No, I, that, that's, that's, that's also fair. Um, How do you spell Jean Genet? I'm just curious. J-E-A-N space G-E-N-E-T. Jean Genet. Jean Genet. Sick. Talk to Sa- talk to talk to uh, our professor Sarah sometime. She has a lot of fun discussion about that. It's about to say her last name, and I realized I didn't want to say that on the podcast. That's fair. Yeah. Mine actually, like the actor actually. Yeah, she actually poop. ate real yeah, poop. Yeah, crazy. I know. Isn't it wild? Yeah. Um, people do that all the time. Yeah, you don't. You shouldn't. <laughs> no, you. Re- no, I don't. I'm We're not out saying here that in our podcast should. to say like just because someone people do do it doesn't I'm not, mean you no, should. No, I'm. I'm just saying people do that all the time. <laughs> 
People do do it. Yeah. I got it. It's good. Okay. Um, I think it's a. I think it's a good and important talk to talk about how the history of queer things has led to the queer politics of today and, mm-hmm. like, how those past queer things still apply and maybe don't apply to the queer politics of yeah. today. And don't like, torture I think, animals. Please don't torture animals. Oh, bl- Torturing please. animals is hardline wrong. That's something that I think. Yes, I think, yes. But I don't think that people should be shamed for eating meat. I don't think they it should. Depends on the, it depends on the situation. There are people who do not have financial access to right, not be able to Right, that's what I'm saying. Meat. It depends on the situation. There are people who, yeah, okay. I, I still hardline don't think people should be shamed for it. I think it depends on the situation. All right. That is that is totally, totally fair. So what is, what, who, mm-hmm. who, uh, how, how, why? Start again. Try one more again. How, how. Do you want to start your sentence what, over, maybe? What's our, what's our topic for this Great. week? Great, thank you. <laughs> um, that's what I was looking for. You're welcome. Um, uh, we were talking, so we went to brunch before the snatch. Homosexuals. Uh, yes, and uh, here's a question I have. Here's How an answer. What's late up? late in the day do you have to eat breakfast for it to be brunch? My answer has always been... 10 or 11 a.m. 10.30 or 11 is when is when brunch time starts. But I feel like you my, can still eat breakfast at 10.30. You totally can, but you can also eat brunch at 10.30. 10.30 is the cutoff, is like the real, is like the, 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 the medium, medium time. Are you time. just saying that because that's when Sputnik opens? No, I am not. I truly do believe this, and I have believed that before I knew about Sputnik, and I will continue to believe that after mm. Sputnik is dust. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> my friend Conrad said that every meal that they eat is brunch because they're gay. And okay. I like that That's a, a lot. Hot take. <laughs> I like that very I much. I definitely here's the thing though, I think it depends on the meal. Uh it depends on what you're like eating. the content of the meal. Sure, sure, sure. Because okay. I wouldn't like we ate lasagna for dinner last night. I don't think that was brunch. Well, no, I don't think that was brunch for me, but if Conrad ate brunch, it, I mean uh, lasagna could be considered brunch for them. I guess, but like, words I think, mean things. Brunch means something. I think it's really up to the interpretation of the individual what brunch means to them. Because if I ate lasagna at 10.30 in the morning, do you think that'd be brunch? Because I would think that would be brunch. That's brunch because, okay, brunch is dependent either on the time of day. If I time ate day slash waffles food. at 11 p.m., is that brunch? No, that's eating breakfast for dinner. That's different. If I ate... Breakfast for dinner is its own thing, its own amazing thing. Okay, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Okay. But breakfast for any other meal besides dinner can be considered brunch. But if you're getting breakfast at 8 a.m., it's not brunch, it's just breakfast. That I agree with. That I am a hard line because I always eat breakfast every morning and then sometimes I also eat brunch in addition to breakfast Second because breakfast. I am a hobbit. Um, However, Hannah, if I ate a uh, waffle... At five p at four p.m. four p.m. What would that be? That's a good question. Thank I you. I think it's an afternoon waffle snack. Oh, oh mm-hmm. so its own individual little entity. Yeah, is that tea? That's tea. That's tea. That's tea. That's everyone. what tea is. We figured it out. We solved the riddle. Um. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we went to brunch. Uh huh. And we didn't have a topic previous to this brunch, and we Aaron's gonna vote right here right now. Use my cheat sheet. Well, I posted on Facebook. He's Go voting in Arapahoe County. It's different stuff. Well, there's still some similar ballot measures for yeah. Colorado. But it's on, yeah, it's on Kai's Facebook. Yeah. But some stuff will be, a lot of the stuff will be different. Well, the governor mm-hmm. obviously is the same, but like some stuff will be different. <laughs> but a lot of the amendments are the same. Don't worry about it. Um, So, Hannah. Yes. What were you saying? 
We went to brunch. <laughs> For fuck's sake. We went to brunch and we were talking and um, tomorrow's election day. Tomorrow is election day in for the United us. States, and uh, you should vote. Obviously, please go fucking vote. Please. please go vote. God, go vote if you can. By all the gods, go vote. There are ways to vote. I mean, if you if you're having trouble getting your uh, voting rights because of our garbage governments, mm-hmm. um, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I'm also sorry. That sucks. Um, it sucks that things are like this. If you are able to vote, go vote. Please. If the impediment is not feeling like you have time or that kind of thing, go vote. Um, if the impediment is like legally you're being disallowed from voting, obviously no shame in not voting. Um, but there's lots of ways. Uh, Lyft and Uber are both doing free rides to the polls tomorrow. So if you need to go vote in person, uh there are ways you can get there. I wish it was a national holiday, though. It's such bullshit that people have to work. No, it is. But and also, you can get there by, like, 11 p.m. and still vote. So there's a huge amount of time. That was 7 p.m. In Colorado, Vermont drop-off points. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In Colorado, if you have a... Yeah, you can drop off your ballot. Ballot drop box. And they're, they're, yeah, Denver is nice. Colorado is nice. Um, They even have same-day voter registration. Mm -hmm. So even if you're not currently registered to vote and you live in Colorado, you can can go to the polls tomorrow, register to vote, and then vote. Yeah. Same day. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, go vote. There's a lot of important stuff on the ballot in Colorado. Um, In every state, even. Yeah, yeah, but we're in Colorado, so we can talk a little bit more about Colorado. Uh, obviously electing a new governor. If you live uh, in, I forget the House District, but it's in Arvada, you can vote for Brianna Titone, who is the uh, first openly trans candidate for state legislature in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's this really nice lady, we're and you should vote her. for her if you are in her district. We are not. Unfortunately. Um, we're electing a new governor. Uh, Jared Polis is meh, but he would also be the first openly gay governor of Colorado. And I think Jewish. And he'd be the first Jewish governor of Colorado, which is a pretty big deal for a state um, partially founded by KKK Grand Wizards. Mm -hmm. Um, And the other person who, one of the other people who's running, Walker Stapleton, is a direct descendant of those KKK Grand Wizards. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. It's a direct descendant. So please don't vote for that man. Yeah. Walker Stapleton is the Republican candidate and he is the grand... You can't help who you're related to, but geez. If you're, well, if you're a Republican, Republican candidate and you're the grandson of a KKK going grand on wizard, there. like obviously you're benefiting from white supremacy. Sorry yeah, you it. are. Thank you. Um, even if you are not act- you. actively a white supremacist, which I, this is maybe whatever, but I don't believe you can be a Republican and not a white supremacist anymore. Personally. A Republican politician, <laughs> certainly. You're trying to think of a counter argument. No, I'm not trying to think of a counter argument. I'm trying to think of all of the things that um, I feel about uh, white supremacy. And I think that white supremacy is enacted by all white people on a yes. very regular basis. Yeah. Oh, you can so, certainly be a Democrat and be a white supremacist. I do, I do think that because I just think that all white people enact white supremacy. So. Oh, totally, yeah. You can be a Democrat and be a white supremacist, but you can also be a Democrat and not be a white Which is not something that you have to feel like overwhelming guilt and shame about that you like are like oh god just do better just just not just do better just like make make reparations and just be conscious and work on anti-racism because if you're not working on anti-racism then you are perpetuating racism Mm -hmm. and no matter what you do you are still benefiting from your whiteness yeah we were talking at brunch about uh like yoga whites and like people who like use like 
import like coca from South America here who like that's what cocaine is the white people drug is made out of but like they use it for these indigenous ceremonies that they like got when they were in Peru but like I was literally reading something from a, a like indigenous herbalist and activist on Instagram this morning about like this bitch ass white lady who like you know posted all these photos of her with indigenous children on her Instagram and stuff and then was doing uh like a traditional Andean ceremony in the Hamdens, which is the most fucking white cultural appropriation supremacy. You mean in New York? Yeah. The rich people beach in New York. Yeah. The whitest Goodness. place in the world. Um Wow. So anyway. Hey, howdy. Uh so that's the end of that rant. That's yet another anti woke rant from Hannah Elizabeth. <laughs> Boy do I, I, I you and I agree on all the stuff that Great. I'm very glad to hear that, Aaron. Except for the one about 21-year-olds, which I was just like, do what I want. Do I know anyone who's, who's under I do. 25? Uh, yeah. Marcos. Not, Marcos. You know Marcos. I know Marcos. Oh, fuck. I just said Marcos's full name on the podcast. We'll bleep it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, Marcos, I think, would be a wonderful candidate I for think office. I think 18-year-olds who would be amazing candidates. Yeah. Like, there's young people who would be amazing candidates just because our personal, like, shithead friend group wasn't necessarily <laughs> don't call our friends shitheads they're no they're great. wonderful um just because not nobody in this room would be qualified for political office doesn't I think mean... i would be qualified for political <laughs> office i think i'd be a great candidate for out political of the three office. of us you would be the most qualified yes exactly thank you hannah that's all i ever wanted to hear um doesn't mean that there aren't young people yes i, do th- I think opening the political like playing the political like theater up to more people can only benefit us. The other the other thing is that actually twenty five is really really high. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing compared to the rest of the nation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, eighteen and yeah. I think it should be eighteen. I think if you can vote, you should be able to run for office. Well, that makes yeah. sense to me. I agree. And you can um, vote when you're eighteen. So yeah, I think if you should be able to join the military, you should be able to run for office. Yeah, I think if you should be able to join the military, you should be able to drink. But that's a whole separate uh, set of conversation. Yeah. So anyway, let's talk back about our. <laughs> Just a, a transitional noise. A transitional <laughs> noise. Um, we wanted to talk about games as talk, politics. We wanted to talk about games that discuss issues of... Yeah, I, I, I don't... I also wouldn't even necessarily use the word politics. I would say social issues. Yeah, totally. Because one of my least favorite things that's happening right now, to just use my platform to complain really quickly... That's all is, we've been doing for like half I know, an hour at I this know, point. I know, I know. That, that's like the joke. Minutes. That's the joke. Um, okay, great. Is... Uh, when when people who are not personally affected by a lot of these issues at a national or local level call like trans rights politics i'm like mm-hmm. that's my ability to exist right. that's not politics for me like i mean yeah. it is politics for me but it's m- more than politics for me well, and like, like people calling who, like yeah. black lives matter p- politics when it's people's well, humanity like, like, at when stake people, when people say like oh i don't like when people kneel or like, uh, yeah. Because why does everything have to be political? And it's like it's not political. It's about our humanity, right. for Christ's well, sake. It's, it's like people who think that you can be fiscally conservative and socially liberal, even though that's not a thing. No, at all. those are not yeah. things that are. And people who are like, oh, I'm just not that political, or like, people are like, oh, I just wish everybody, like me, and my friends don't talk about politics. I just wish people wouldn't get into politics. And I'm like, we can't bitch, agree. I'm it's like, not politics. Yeah. I've been for my body has been right. forcibly made political well, by your I hear hands. People like yesterday when I was washing dishes uh, at Stella's, I heard um, at the coffee shop where I work, uh, I was listening to the person, my coworker, talking to this guy. who was like, yeah, like I voted, but you know, 
like me and my friends don't really talk about politics because we understand disagreeing, blah, blah, blah. And as I was talking, I was like, wow, spoken like a true white man. Like, I couldn't fathom, like, people are always like, oh, like, politics is tearing families apart and blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, I don't talk to my fucking bitch-ass Republican aunt because she voted for Trump and then tried to justify it to me. Like, it's not that politics are tearing people apart. It's that people are revealing their fucking white supremacy and transphobia and homophobia via their politics. Like... It's stuff where, like, I don't hang out with people with far right-wing views because it's not safe for me to do so. Like, moderate yeah. liberals and, like, white men, like, no offense, can, like, hang out with people with, like, far right views and be like, oh, we're just not going to talk about politics because we disagree because there's no, it's all, they're all benefiting from the same shit. It's all the same shit for them. And because those people don't actually care about underprivileged people enough to, like, stand up for their voices, you know what I mean? I also do think that uh, in addition to all of that, there is a um, interesting uh, mechanized political divide between Democrats and Republicans that are, that is created by like the upper mm-hmm. junctures of both of those parties that is put down onto, onto like us as people that is creating a political divide that is not just like people revealing the negative aspects of themselves or whatever through their totally. political ideology. I think it's also like creating a civil divide. Right. Like I do think there is discourse that can happen. It's just we in this oh, country. Oh yeah, I totally not, do. Not taught to do civil discourse because like a divided bickering populace is much easier to control. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like I have engaged people with right wing views and had productive discussions about oh, it. Yeah. But I'm not going to like have friends who think that children should be in cages and just not talk about it because it's a political issue on which we disagree. One of my uh, friends from childhood who I might not necessarily call a friend any longer. Um, you call a lot of people friends who you who don't are not my like. friends. Yeah, yeah. One of one of my childhood friends um, who is not really uh, my friend any longer uh, works for has worked for a series of. Republican senators uh, and and has engaged with people like Ted Cruz and Dick Cheney and has worked for the Cheneys and has gone to watch Donald Trump speak and supported him. Yeah. And he reads my blog and he says that I've changed a lot of his opinions on See, trans people and, and other yeah. people. So like people still can be reached even if oh, they totally, are working yeah. for yeah. like some of the biggest homophobes out there, you know, mm-hmm. like some everyone's of the biggest still out there yeah. and the Zodiac killer. People still, people still have hearts and souls mm-hmm. and people can be reached. Us. I'm just saying like the people, the people who I hear like being like, like that white guy at the, uh, the coffee shop yesterday talking about like, Oh, like me and my friends just don't discuss politics. Like I never talk about politics. Like I vote, but I'm not going to talk about politics. It's like, have some convictions, dude. That just says to me, like, you you are not willing to defend your convictions or you're not willing to defend the voiceless in conversation. Like, you just don't want to deal with it. It's not your problem. Yeah, it's like like if somebody says something homophobic, you're not going to stand up against it because you might just be like, hey, man, don't say that. And they're going to be like, it's just a joke. And you might be like, oh, okay, whatever. Like, because it doesn't affect you and because you just don't want to deal with it. It's too much work for you. So to connect that to video games, um, something that I have uh, noticed in video games as media is that it is seemingly more difficult for uh, popular big-release video games to bring in social issues, a.k.a. quote-unquote politics, into the discussion of the game and the content of the game um, 
than it is for other forms of media to discuss or social issues. Either it's more difficult or... I don't literally just, mean more difficult. No, I just they just mean are like less willing to do less it. Less willing to engage in it because of the, the ways that we view video games as appealing to select groups of people, I think. And also or I think video games because are still of, seen as a frivolous medium. Well, yeah. If, if you're seen as a frivolous medium and you're seen as a medium that is primarily for cishet white men, there are certain specific politics that you're not going to you know, show in your games. Something that's been really interesting for me is thinking about um, the Wolfenstein series. Mm -hmm. Uh, Specifically, the huge uproar that happened because it's a game about killing Nazis. Nazis. And it has always been a game about killing Nazis. And Nazis have pretty traditionally in even very popular video games been accepted as a good enemy to have. In lots of Call of Duty games, you kill Nazis. In lots of games... You kill Nazis. Yeah. In Indiana Jones, you kill Nazis. Right, because like, it's always it's been a popular opinion up until now that, that like, Nazis killing Nazis are bad. is good yeah. and Nazis are bad. Um, but uh, recently, uh, with a lot of the the kind of shifts in popular mm-hmm. discourse, the rise of um, fascism, the the rise of fascism, the fascist it is insurgency in which we are living, it living. has started uh, becoming a a uh, oh, what is the word I'm looking for, Hannah? Uh, unpopular opinion? It started becoming a opinion that is like up for discussion that killing Nazis right, is bad. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Debatable. Debatable, thank you. That's the oh, word yeah, I'm looking yeah. for. Some people think it's debatable. And, and that's right. just fascinating to me that in a game like Wolfenstein, which is a big AAA game, like a big release that mm-hmm. a lot of people are very invested in purchasing, uh, does attempt to talk about social issues mm-hmm. and social justice and has uh, women of color and has mm-hmm. like pregnant people and has... Which... I think it's silly that having a woman of color in a video game is considered well, it's, it's, yeah, like, it's controversial. It's a question. Yeah. Um, Battlefield Five mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. doing um, World War Two, but from perspectives of people who have not historic, not from the perspective of, of regular infantry, but a lot of resistance mm-hmm. groups and, and side theaters of the war. Um, and so, a lot of people, uh, got a lot of. Um, really unreasonable people were like oh this game isn't realistic because there's women in combat mm-hmm. by the way colorado has one of the first female combatants uh like frontline combatants on the uh, field right now so however you feel about um you know people <laughs> who go into the armed forces uh regardless of that um she is currently breaking some big ground um for people who do feel that that is a duty that they want to uphold anyway a bunch of people went after Battlefield and said, this isn't realistic, this is bullshit. And Battlefield's Twitter, official Twitter, basically said, fuck off. Like, don't yeah, their, don't. their response said, was, don't buy our game. They said, don't buy our game if you have a problem with, with yeah. women and people of color That's in our great. game. Well, that was also with the Wolfenstein uh, like marketing. W- Wolfenstein. Wolfenstein. Is how Wolfenstein. Was uh, the whole like, I speak German, it's okay. Yeah, uh, <laughs> marketing hubbub and people were like oh this is like it's killing like is it okay that like you know we're rampantly killing these people because they're nazis like they're people too blah 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 and wolfenstein's marketing like the marketing and twitter and so forth response was to be like up ramp up the marketing that was about killing nazis they were like we understand that some people are mad that our game is about killing nazis we're gonna show you all the ways that you can kill nazis like fuck off and battlefields yeah battlefields thing of like uh, you know, if you don't like that there's women in our game, don't buy our game. There's many games you could buy. Don't buy don't ours. Women. Something that I really found interesting in Wolfenstein 2 was um, the fact that in the game you can listen to two Nazis have a discussion about their own humanity. Mm. Like, about the fact that they're like, 
you know, calling, calling you extremist and being like, we're just trying to live our lives. Like, and it, it just brings an interesting perspective to people who hold that ideology and things that you can still think and feel like as a human being, mm-hmm. uh, even when you are twisted and when you're a fucking Nazi, uh, a fucking you Nazi. deserve to be stopped And what's great is you can also shoot those Nazis before they say those things uh-huh. and you can shoot them after they say those things uh-huh. and you can shoot them while they're saying those things. Yeah. But because if your that, existence and the thing you've you've thrown your hat in with is predicated on genocide and the hate of others, fuck you. Yeah. Um. So it's it's just really interesting to me the way that that video games are in in a lot of popular discourse uh, ripped on for bringing up a social issue or bringing quote unquote politics into it. Um. We were talking earlier also about uh, a video game that we've covered on this podcast before, Night in the Woods, Mm -hmm. which is this really beautifully done um, Mm -hmm. story about this this young cat named May who, like, um, drops out of college and moves back home and all of these other things. And she moves back home to this um, Appalachian coal mining town that is is dying Mm -hmm. slowly because... Uh, coal mining is no longer a feasible mode of income for these Mm -hmm. people and people are losing their jobs and people are leaving and some people are like moving back because they have nowhere else to go Uh, and people are like getting jobs in supermarkets because they can't work in the mines anymore and it just deals with the the social issues and politics of uh, a dying Appalachian town Mm -hmm. and the way that some people are trying to hold on to those old traditions and those old values when the world around them just doesn't have space for that anymore mm-hmm. and the ways that young people in this in this game are trying to like change change those policies and that's that's just a really interesting way of dealing with a social issue that mm-hmm. was very artistically creative and beautiful mm-hmm. that you don't see in a lot of games mm-hmm. um they also they do it in this mul- very multifaceted sense where like one of your friend you one of your two of your friends are a gay male couple mm-hmm. in this small town um who like you know they want to leave they want to leave and they want to break shit but they can't for understandable reasons yeah and then your your other best friend is b who's this very sad alligator uh or crocodile is she crocodile do we know that i think so she's a a crocodile or an alligator or a caiman i think she's a crocodile i don't know if she's a crocodile i think it it says so in the wiki look it up right now i can't i can't bring my phone near here okay aaron's gonna look it up b b e a night in the woods um, what, what else, what else, is she an alligator or a crocodile? That's what we know to know. I think she's a crocodile. This is that one ASMR box. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who didn't hear, she is in fact a crocodile, according to the wiki. Yes. Um. So. I stand so anyway. Corrected, but she's a she's a very sad. Sorry, I was gonna say no, more okay, about that. Was important. Uh, she's a <laughs> very sad crocodile who um like her mom passed away and mm-hmm. then she inherited like running the family hardware store well because her dad is an alcoholic yeah her dad's an alcoholic and her mom passed away and they like lost their house and she takes over running the family hardware store and like her family is real she's like in serious poverty and has all these financial issues and so forth and, and she like, has this obligation to mm-hmm. stay and run this business and she's so mad at may for drop it like may had this opportunity to leave and go to college and for dropping out and moving back and like may is kind of a like may is 
very sympathetic in a lot of ways, but is also kind of a piece of shit in mm-hmm. some ways and gets called out on that, which I think is so great. Yeah. Um, the B like calls her out for being like, like you had the opportunity to leave and you, you squandered it basically. Mm-hmm. But also like May left because she had a dissociative, like severe dissociative, like struggles. mental breakdown. Yeah. Um, she had a bit like a, a psychotic breakdown essentially. Yeah. Um, which happens to the best of us. Truly. And, uh, so it's it's very it, it 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 I think portrays the nuances of these issues in a way that not a lot of games do. Like, and part of the reason I think it was able to do that is because it's an indie game, mm-hmm. and it was uh, funded primarily by crowdsourcing. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, AAA games don't have the same uh, uh, ability to so specifically appeal to such an audience, like such a specific audience that they mm-hmm. already know exists, or they perceive that they don't have right, that ability. Right, I was going to say because how I much of that is an excuse. That they do have that ability because there would be a market for it. And I do think that there are people who would play Red Dead Redemption 2 if it was a person of color who was the leader, if it was a woman, I've been thinking a lot about what Aaron said on the or episode Or even if it was a week. white guy, but they actually dealt with the social issues. Like, this conversation yeah. partially yeah. started by talking about, like, how poorly Red Dead Redemption 2 deals with its social issues. <laughs> we did talk about um, that, yeah. And how Rockstar has a, a pretty consistent history of making games that feature a lot of folks of color and a lot of people in different socioeconomics situate like the uh, Grand Theft Auto games for instance yeah in different socioeconomic situations but dealing with it really poorly and like try like the Grand Theft Auto series like tries to be a satire but in fact just in many ways reinforces and that's just saying just so to satirize sometimes, sometimes um I will say this that uh I've been able to play less and less Grand Theft Auto in my day because the satire sometimes uh, goes into the the lampshade territory mm-hmm. where it's like oh look at this thing we're making fun of but it's also um like uh the joke is not really criticizing anything it's actually just kind of reinforcing the stereotypes right they like i think they're making fun of and i i think yeah it's just like gotten to a point where whoever's in charge of the goofs over there currently just is is doing kind of a lazy job well completely <laughs> lazy job and it's it's I think and not just lazy, but irresponsible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, well, I they definitely try to make a joke about racism, but they actually just end up saying something racist. It's just really hard right, for exactly. me to to understand how in like in any day and age, but also right now when there are a lot of discussions about social justice happening in like the popular front, I I really don't like when people are like. I get how people were racist in the early 2000s because nobody was saying anything because, like, people were saying stuff. It's just mm-hmm. they weren't being nobody heard. Listened, yeah. um, but it feels like there is a bigger national conversation. conversation that is going on. So I just don't understand how in this day and age somebody can make Red Dead Redemption 2 and not talk about the social issues of the time period of right. the thing that they're making or do it in such an mm-hmm. insensitive and inaccurate way way right, like we it, need to do better it just doesn't make sense because there are other games like um butterfly soup is another game that we were, yeah, talking, we were talking about earlier that we've also featured before on this podcast the cat yeah the cast is all women of color most or people of color people of color uh mostly queer um except in, in, for entirely asian entirely asian yep uh mostly queer one person who is doesn't come out in the game but there's like you know it hints that they're non-binary yeah no, 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 that person oh. comes out. The other, the uh, the the nerdy girl who's the the Oh, right, 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 right. I thought you were talking she, about the person who, like, we don't know no, for sure. No, is. no, no. Well, we know for sure is queer, but don't know for yeah. sure is non-binary. Yeah. There's hints of that. But there's the the uh, the one friend who is the potentially straight friend, but who there's, like, 
can't. Is stay. anybody really the straight no. friend anymore? Um, but it deals with a lot of stuff like I think it's not my culture, so I can't speak to it. But a lot of stuff like there's there's in jokes from cultures. Like they all go to an Indian restaurant, and there's uh two people from whose ancestry is from that part of the world who like make fun of the other two for like drinking something that's supposed to be a sauce, basically. Yeah. Um, and there's stuff that it's, it's this to a wildly different lesser degree. It's like how we keep talking about how in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, there are jokes being made about queerness that feel like an in joke and Mm -hmm. not a making fun of joke. And Butterfly Soup is all in jokes. And there's, uh, the one character whose name I can't remember right now. I really need to replay that game. Yeah. We haven't played that game in over a year. Um, and uh, who says, I make gay jokes because I am a gay joke. I love that. The biggest and only mood. There is no bigger mood. That's Truly. the biggest mood. No mood. That mood is the black hole at the center of the universe. No mood can be bigger. You know that you need to fill out your ballot and pen, right? Uh-huh. Okay, good. Yeah. He's <laughs> filling it out first in okay, pencil. Okay, good, good, good. I just wanted to make sure that you knew. In case I, yeah, in case I have to undo. No, that's smart. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I just wanted to double check um, <laughs> before you got too speaking far. Speaking of democracy or the, the uh, sham of a democracy that we're living in. Uh, and that game is also set in California around the Proposition 8 2008. Vote. Yep. Um, which is so interesting because that's a game, one of the few games I can think of, and indie games are primarily doing this, but one of the few mm-hmm. games I can think of that deals with a actual real world historical political issue that isn't like a big war game. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Battlefield 5 is obviously dealing with issues of World War II. You know what I want to see that I just realized I want to see? What? Stonewall, the video game. What would that video game look like, Kai? You are Marsha P. Johnson, and you throw a shot glass at a mirror, and you decide how hard you throw that shot glass. And then you decide how much you're going to beat up the police, and you figure out how you're going to upend the lamppost. I'm picturing like a, um, what game am I picturing um, this like? I'm picturing like like a third-person brawler Game yeah, where, where you, you play, play as, as a trans woman of color, you, you play, play as, as a dyke or you can, something. You, it's like pick your fighter, but your fighters are like Marsha P. Johnson and Miss Major and Storm. Yeah, um, I would love that so very... much. Then you kick a cop's ass. Then you yeah. kick cops' asses. Uh, you throw bricks at cops, and uh, then everyone, and then at the end, it's like congratulations, you've reached queer utopia. I think, <laughs> except that's not true. If, a very specific person would have to make that game for it yes. not to be wildly And it would offensive. have to be me. Yeah. Um, Just kidding. Uh, probably not me. A visual but novel me and other about people. Stonewall wouldn't I would, be the worst. That's what I mean. That's yeah. what I actually would like is a visual novel about Stonewall. Yeah. I was just making jokes. Yeah. Uh, I think visual novels are a very cool and accessible way to teach I do about too. stuff. In- I would really love to learn more about Stonewall while mm-hmm. people who were actually at Stonewall are still alive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know? Yeah. Richard L. Gabriel, yes or no? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. I, um, I don't know. I thought you were talking about it for making the game <laughs> Stonewall, the visual novel. I was like... I, is that one are, of the judges the up for attention? The judges are hard. I have the list of judges, yes or no. I have, I have yeah, the but list. most of those aren't online. Oh, fuck. Yeah, because like I said, different. Then I have no Daniel idea. Daniel Daly is the only person I get to vote for. Uh, I said no. Bad. Yeah. The rest of them... I love that we're uh, occasionally interrupting the podcast to do voting business. I, hope that's okay. no, I, think, I think it's, it's great. great. No, I, I think it's delightful. I think it's yeah, good. Absolutely. This is how easy it is. I'm literally just hanging out, drinking a coffee, and, and voting. voting. Hi, and I'm like, you know, <laughs> yeah, just chilling, reading the stuff, recording a podcast. If Aaron can record a podcast while voting, while high, while, while high, high, you can vote. 
Yeah. Um, that's, that's again, fair. this is saying to people who are lazy about voting and not people who are being in some capacity illegally barred from voting. Or also disabled, you yes. know. Like, I wouldn't fault you for being disabled, not voting. Yes. I'm disabled. Yep. You can, though, if you are disabled and cannot fill out your own ballot, you can get yes. a notar- like somebody else to notarize and fill out the ballot for you. If you have anybody else who's able to assist mm-hmm. you. Um, I've had Hannah sign some petitions for me because mm-hmm. I am physically unable to write in a legible manner. Mm-hmm. I um, can fill out little bubbles, though. I can do that pretty okay. Yeah, you fill out bubbles real good. Thank you. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I think... Uh, with games, it's like there's this we- it's like this weird almost final frontier of like so few people are making quote unquote political or like social oh, justice focused. I games. remember the other thing that I was gonna say. Okay. In, in like even when we were talking about Cameron Esposito earlier, even stand up comedy is 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 talking about social mm-hmm. issues. I don't mean to say that like oh even stand up comedy, the worst medium for art, is talking about social issues. I mean it's just like such diverse mediums mm-hmm. are being like hey. Here's the social issue. Mm-hmm. Let us present it to you in a way that makes sense mm-hmm. and is good and valid and, and listens to the people who well, have that all, experience yeah. or is made by the people that have you that experience. You also think about, like, we talked about at E3 this year how there were, like, ten different trailers for It's a Dystopian America and you have to, or the, what is it? The it's cell a Dystopian the World. Cell? Is that that one where you're in D.C.? Yeah. And you're and you're playing as a white man who yeah. needs to survive. Rebelling, there's a lot of games about white men rebelling against the system, like Deus, Deus <laughs> yeah. Ex, for instance. Like, you're the hero is this white guy like rebelling against the oppressive system the system is oppressing white men finally so uh-huh. you need to fight back uh which is i think a cool I, thing. I, i'm sorry i keep saying it because i really like my um my movie my movie no it's voice. great i also appreciate it thank you um the cool thing about mass effect is you're fighting against a corrupt system and whatever and you can play as like the the, the default appearances for uh shep are white people uh-huh. um but you can play as like my chef with not uh, you played as a person of color, but there are not very many hair options no. or necessarily uh, good skin tones for playing as a person of color. No, it's like color. a really... It's a very white It's a very white vision of, of a person of color, and it's hard to get like your facial features yeah. to be that of a person of color. Um, uh, but you can... That was the single positive thing about Mass Effect Andromeda. It was the much more robust yeah. character customization system. It's still not like what you would want no but at least you can have non-white hairstyles better yeah um which is good i'm just very tired of video games being geared specifically for white players and that you right. can pretty or much making only somehow making more people. excuses like i think what i was talking about is like video games are still treated um as this sort of more what's the word i'm looking for like a uh, a uh, uh, frivolous medium in terms of like they're still seen more as pure entertainment and not as much like being seen as art yet and some of my favorite games are the games that are, and some of like Polygon's consistent like Game of the Year games are games that are seen as art, right? Like Butterfly mm-hmm. Soup is uh, Edith Finch. Yeah, What Remains of Edith Finch is a Gorgeous. beautiful piece of art and a video game. Like it's like and a walking sim. You play as a, a non-white, like you play as a person of color who is pregnant, who is young, and mm-hmm. who is a woman. You play as a as a a, a pregnant teen of color yeah which like, is kind of a spoiler but because that wait, is actually that game came out like two years ago no me. it came out last year oh whatever 
Um, <laughs> but that is you. That's revealed throughout the game. Yeah. So it's a beautiful gameplay. At we'll least. put a little spoilers for Edith Finch. What yeah, Edith I'm Finch sorry. At it's the just top that's a this. really important thing to me. It is, but it's also like one of the the narrative cruxes of the game is finding out more yeah, about your I, player I character um, as whoops. the game goes on. Jeez. Oh boy. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, and I think one of the brilliant things about that game is. I, I love games that almost like trick you into playing as a queer person or a person of color or what oh, have I know. you. It's very sneaky. Um, and I love that. Uh, I don't know much about the development team that made what remains of Finch, either. but uh, the cast of people within is very diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's it's this weird thing where like sometimes games won't take themselves seriously, or no one will take games seriously. I think we're moving away from that and like we talked about before like um how uh uh death stranding is a game yeah. that not only advertises having famous voice actors which is historically not a thing that a lot of people do like i'll often be looking through the imd because i'll be like i recognize that voice and, I'll be and you'll be like oh my IMDb god that's a game. very famous person and i'll be like holy shit like aria talok is voiced by carrie ann moss who was trinity in the matrix yeah. like They'll be famous people like hiding in video games, but it's not usually like they don't put it on the case of the video game. They're not most of the time. Yeah. Most of the time. Whereas Death Stranding, part of the whole marketing thing is like starring Mads Mikkelsen because they literally did Mm -hmm. or um, uh, 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 Norman Reedus because they literally did face capture of these people. So not only is it their voice in it, it is their So it's almost being advertised like a movie. Right. And it's the first time I've really seen that done. Um, and as a possibility of like, you know, if they're getting famous people and touting them on the thing. What was that one video game that Ellen Page was in? She wasn't in it. Oh, they just kind of based it off of the her. The Last of Us uh, based her. No, 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 no it was, right, it was, right. it was two it's souls, a, souls. Oh yeah, that's right. She yeah, wasn't one. You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, thank you, Aaron. Is it Beyond Two Souls? Yeah, it's Beyond the the Two Souls, I think. Like yeah. Um, but then there is, uh, there's that whole thing about nudity that was some bullshit. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh. That's okay. Okay. Um, then there was uh, uh, Last of Us, which used Ellen Page. Like, the Ellie in the first Last of Us looks exactly like young Ellen Page. Oh. But uh, they w- didn't use permission for her likeness or credit her at all or no give boy. her any. <laughs> Whatever. Poor um, Ellen Page. Yeah. <laughs> she's had a rough time since coming out in Hollywood. Kind of. I mean, she's still getting roles. No, she totally she's is. She's doing just fine roles. for herself. I just I remember, think. like, after she first came out, like, it seemed like she was not getting cast. Right, but she wasn't, in fairness, she wasn't in a ton of stuff before that. Fair. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah, so games need to take themselves more seriously as much as they need to be taken seriously. And, like, as with all forms of media, need to not make excuses for not speaking about social justice well games and all forms of media but especially games right now really need to take their focus off of white cishet men Mm -hmm. because literally i i've looked at the statistics and probably around 48 to like 50 percent of gamers are women Mm -hmm. like people who play games Mm -hmm. i consider anyone who plays a video game to be a gamer because that's exclusionary and wrong Mm -hmm. to not call them gamers like there are different subsets of gamers, like quote unquote hardcore gamers, which are people that play probably like 20 plus hours of video games a week. Mm-hmm. And then there are like softcore gamers. Um, <laughs> which, Is that what they call them? No, it's not. I was going to say. That's what I call them. Um, don't do that's yeah, funny. don't do penetration. Which is, I have problems with the fact that softcore versus hardcore pornography is differentiated in that no, way. No, However, we, that's a whole separate conversation. Um, that is a whole separate conversation. Um, 
who who play like under 20 hours of video games a week or whatever you know there's mm-hmm. different but those, those both those people they play video games you mm-hmm. know i just um it, it, we need to be looking at the audience of games in a different way just like we need to be looking at the audience of like film in a different way and we need to give more space for people to grow because Mm -hmm. I like I was saying earlier I know that there are people out there regardless of their personal identities or in regards to their personal identities who will play a game Mm -hmm. featuring a person of color as the lead or like featuring a woman as the lead or featuring a female person of color as the lead Mm -hmm. like or featuring a trans person as the lead or a queer person like just any any marginalized identities a lead coalition or like intersection of identities intersection of identities that are marginalized or individual identities that are marginalized uh people will play those games Mm -hmm. because i don't know games are fun and if you make a good game people will play it people will play it and if you code it they will come if you code it they will come and if you i'm so sorry it's a really bad joke if the game happens to be um looking for a pen bud I've got one in my pocket. If uh, always one I always pocket. have one in my pocket. If the game, like, Thank you. Uh, it, it shouldn't just happen to have, like, a, a marginalized person as the lead. That should be a important and powerful mm-hmm. choice that, that means something for the game. But it could also just be, like, oh, this lead character in the future where all these things don't matter just, like, happens to be like this or well, whatever. Well, we've talked about before as games as a very... We've talked about before as games. We've talked mm-hmm. about games before as a uniquely empathetic method of storytelling. Yes. That there is no real... Theater is the other method I can think of, of especially immersive theater, uh, storytelling that removes the fourth wall in that well, way. Well, they have the possibility mm-hmm. of that empathetic, of put, empathetic of putting method of storytelling. You literally like with theater it's like and especially theater done well um mm-hmm. doesn't even have to be immersive just done well you are literally in the room right mm-hmm. so you can, it's harder to have that separation of on a movie screen you have that like oh this isn't real it's in a movie but mm-hmm. in a in a theater it's like these are real human beings doing this in front of me and i could touch them if i wanted to yeah which you shouldn't you shouldn't unless that's part of the production in which case do but in which please, case please just do. don't assume that it is yeah most <laughs> i think i don't yeah i don't think we need to tell people that um, it's, I've seen people in a lot of interactive theater. It is hard to get people to touch you. Yeah, I, I know. Um, cause people are so conditioned that like, you're not supposed to interact with theater, which is something that some groups are trying to change. Um, and games are, are almost even more so like specifically empathetic because they are completely interactive modes of storytelling. Mm-hmm. Like the other day I was falling asleep on the couch or I was trying to, and then Tori kept snuffling in my face and waking me up. Cute. It was so cute. And uh, I just like had no energy and I was like, I need, I was watching shows all day and I was like, well, I need something more, mildly more engaging because a video game, it's harder to fall asleep doing it because you literally have to interact with the game mm-hmm. to progress it. Um, and it's, studies have been shown that like it activates your brain, depending on the game, it can activate your brain in a similar way to reading because reading is an interactive mode of storytelling. Like mm-hmm. the book just doesn't progress in front of you. If you're reading a physical you have to actively book read or it, article yeah. or what have you, it doesn't have to be like on p- paper, but you have to actively flip the page or scroll, scroll the page yeah. or whatever. Like you have to actively read it in order for it to go forward. It has also been proven that uh, when you experience empathy for another person or another person's experience, like you're more likely to not be discriminatory or hateful mm-hmm. to other people yeah, who have that same identity or yeah. like, 
are similar to that person mm-hmm. in some way. Like that's part of the reason why I do the work that I do is to build empathy for people who are me or like me in any variety of ways mm-hmm. among the cishets. Like, right. Well, uh, pretty obviously I think bigotry is created by othering, right? Like, yeah. And empathy reduces othering. So mm-hmm. when you use games as a medium to build empathy between groups of people or between mm-hmm. individuals that, can change the way that we view the world it allows you to instead of being like oh this person is somehow different from me and if you this person is somehow different from you and i hate that as opposed to i respect that if this person is different from you in a fundamental sense it allows you to view them as subhuman because they're not the same as you like that's how racial conditioning works is like to justify slavery like white people were taught like black people are not the same as you they are different than you they are a lesser form of humanity and what i would really like to achieve is eventually a place where we can be like you are different from me and that is okay Mm -hmm. and in the meantime it's like you're different from me but like we share such common experience like we are the same type of thing right it's like how like cats and dogs view us as this a similar type of thing and that's to them and that's how we get along with them and why they are considered domesticated animals and where and like obviously that's a weird kind of a weird no i mean i get i get what you're saying but it's 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 seeing like this person is not a different type of thing from me this person is the same type of thing from me it looks different it's like a cat can look at us and be like this big funky cat looks real funky and different from me but i see that they are similar a cat or in some way similar to me as a thing, and I respect them as an equal. Yeah, it would, would, it feels almost like the first step on a journey of, like, infinite steps to be like, this person is different from me, but we are both humans. Mm-hmm. Right, so, that's what I'm saying, is saying, yeah, like... Yeah, I, I get what cat, you're saying. Like, cat that's, sees that's that we're a different the thing, first step. but they're the same type of thing. We're an yeah, equal type I mean, of thing. Even if I were to meet, like, an alien from another planet, I would be like... You're also sentient, I guess. If they were sentient, yeah. can we? First thing I do is go. Ah! <laughs> and I'm sorry. Sorry, it's just aliens I'm, I'm are so real. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You know what? That's I probably only would say, oh, sorry. Yeah, you would definitely <laughs> apologize. I said to, to a, her, I thought Hannah was a ghost. Yeah, you said I'm so sorry. I was coming out of my room and I was going to the bathroom and. And you didn't have your glasses on. It was the middle of the night. On. It was dark. I was pale. Yeah, and I thought that Hannah was a ghost, and I said, I'm so sorry, and I went back into my bedroom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As though offending the ghosts that needed I, to be. I just, I didn't want to interrupt whatever yeah. the ghost was doing. It's a polite boy. He's a very polite boy. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, games being an, a uniquely empathetic mode of storytelling need to be utilized far more to build empathy. And go vote. And go vote. For and we the love, love you. Of, of all the gods, please go vote. Uh, and well, we love you anyway, but we won't love you very much if you don't vote by reasons of laziness or making excuses. You know what I mean? I will be, I, I will be disappointed in you. I'm not angry. I'm disappointed. Yeah. Now I'll go be, to your room. I'll be very, very disappointed in you. Oof. And I'll send you to your room. March. Um. You know those moms yell March when, when they're. <laughs> it's funny. But I'm t- no, but you, you know the you know the kind of parent I'm talking about, the ones that I don't think those people actually exist. I think they one hundred percent do. Are you kidding me? I think they only exist in TV and film. Have you ever Disagree. seen a parent yes. yell I March at a child? Multiple parents of my friends have yelled Yikes. March at them. Oh boy, I'm not joking. Wow, that's uh that's real um Fort Collins suburbia, huh? Uh, so that's our podcast. It's called If It's Gay We Play. Um, Where we yell. 
yep. about video games and social justice. Uh-huh. You, if you liked it, we would love a rating review. We got a new rating on iTunes and a review Thank on iTunes you. this week. It's very kind. We don't know it's who it's by, nice and that's review. very exciting. It's we very, very exciting when we do it. know who it's by, but it's extra exciting because it's like strangers somebody, like us. Yeah, somebody we didn't actively say, like, please go leave us a review, liked us. Um, so that's really kind. Whoever wrote that review, thank you so, so, thank so, so, so much. We love you. Now um, we have nine five-star reviews on iTunes. Mm-hmm. Very popular. Moving on up, baby. Ooh, uh, yeah. So if you like the yelling that we did, um, please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we're on pretty much all the places you can get your podcasts. And show, show a friend. Show like, a friend, yeah. Show a friend. Word or, of, like, put them on in a car on a road trip. Yeah, you show know. your friends, share us on social media, or just, like, be like, hey, you might like this podcast. Listen to this bit from it. Um, After you do the social media, I have a quick announcement. Okay, great. Uh, You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Gay Gamers, with a Z, G-A-Y-G-A-M-E-R-Z. Uh, you can email us at ifitsgayweplay at gmail.com. You can find us on our website, stickpokeprod.com slash ifitsgayweplay. Check out the other shows on the network. Uh, right now we've got, this is Grandma's House, and we've got uh, Encyclopedia shows about what makes people the way that they are. Forthcoming will be Spatial, a show Very about how about um, ge- geography influences so so that. One more again, geography. And geographical data uh, relates to and influences like socioeconomic and sociopolitical issues. Um, yeah, Kai, what's your announcement? Um, I will be shortly posting on our uh, various forms of social oh, media yeah. a GoFundMe for um, one of the friends of the podcast who has not been on the podcast, uh, who was involved in our show, Genderfucked, who uh, recently experienced um, a uh, violent incident um, and who needs financial help mm-hmm. to deal with that. Um, so please help them. We love them very much mm-hmm. and we a, yeah. uh, wish them the best. If you're not able to afford to help them, that's totally okay. Please just share. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, share, spread the word. Yeah. Uh, if you've got a few bucks to throw their way, every little bit helps. Yes, please. Um, it's money for legal fees and therapy and, and uh, being able to afford to eat and yeah. rent. Because, you know, when you're uh, going through a legal case, you definitely lose time to work. Mm-hmm. Um. So that's those things. Aaron, it looks like, just finished his ballot. Yay! What great timing. timing. Uh, he's going to put it in its secrecy sleeve and put it in the thing and go put it in a Dropbox. We love you. Mm-hmm. Aaron voted in the course of this podcast, so go vote. Go vote. It didn't even take me the whole time. It didn't no, it take him the whole time. I started like halfway through. Uh, keep playing gay. Keep me in games. And fuck shit up. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.